0: Amen. So turn with me to 1 Thessalonians 4, 16. We're going to go verse 16 through 18. For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of an archangel, and with the trumpet of God. And the dead in Christ will rise first. Then we who are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And thus we shall always be with the Lord." Therefore, this is the part they left out when I was a kid. Therefore, comfort one another with these words. We are to love his appearing. Amen? So, so knowing this, and I felt that urgency in my spirit, and if you're an intercessor, I, I know I've heard, I've heard this. The, the time is short, and I'm not telling you that to scare you. I'm not telling you that to, to like, f- you know, freak you out into reading the word of God. But it's to instill an, an understanding that there is a greater picture here, when we live in our circumstances and things are very scary right now, there's, the, you know, there's a lot of, of fear and a lot of anxiety. And, and the Bible says that in the last days, men's hearts will fail them for fear. So we have to be very proactive to set safeguards in our lives and safeguards around our hearts to guard against fear, guard against anxiety, and guard against deception. Because it is running rampant in America and in the church so um, how do we respond to these circumstances surrounding us? You know, there's global pandemic and political unrest and things are shifting and being shaken. And if we do not have a firm foundation in the word, we will stumble or yet fall away completely. If our foundation is not sure, we will be shaken. In Hebrews twelve twenty-seven, it says, once again, everything, once again, everything that can be shaken will be shaken. So if our foundation is not sure, then we, w- we will stumble. And our hope must be in Jesus. Your hope must be in Jesus. And he is still seated on the throne. And let me encourage you today. He has already overcome the world. And he is still seated on high. He is not wringing his hands. He's not scared. He's not freaked out. He's not surprised. And he is on the throne. And our hope is in him. Amen. Our hope is not in in anything on this earth. It is in Jesus. So we must deeply know the word. There's warnings all through scripture about deception that are becoming more and more common, being, both being deceived and, uh, and deceiving others. There's uh, many warnings about it. Um, so we must take active steps to set safeguards. So we're going to spend most of our time today in 2 Timothy 3. So if you can just flip a few pages over to 2 Timothy 3. So, I'm not going to read this entire passage because you can do that on your own, and I encourage you to do that on your own. This is not enough time if this is your only time in the word. I encourage you to uh, schedule time every day to spend in the word because this is just an appetizer, this is just like a little tasting. this is not all that <laughs> this is not all there is, um especially with everything being so abridged and so shortened right now. I encourage you to dig this out on your own, but second Timothy three you know it says. In the last days, perilous times will come. Why are we surprised when the scripture tells us this? Perilous times will come. Uh, God's not surprised by the state of the world. And I'm not going to read through this whole thing, but among other things, it says in the last days, tell me if this sounds familiar, men will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, blasphemers. It says disobedient to parents, rebuke that in the name of Jesus, (laughs) ungrateful, unholy unloving, unforgiving, without self-control, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, having a form of godliness, but denying its power. And then it says, from such people turn away. It means that we should not be surprised that this is more and more common. And if we're not careful, we will become one of these people. And it says, be careful if you think you stand, right? The scripture tells us that. And, um, it says that deceivers will creep into households. They don't come barging in. They don't swing open the door and say, look at me, I'm here to deceive you. That's not how it happens. They creep in slowly and quietly to where you know, small changes. It's just like if you're lost in a desert and you're walking and you just barely go off course you know, and you're lost, just one little inch off course, over time, you're very far from your destination. Little, little things. It says the small foxes spoil the vine, right? Little things creep in. And, and if you do not set very strong safeguards, that deception creeps in. It sneaks in quietly. And it says that men will always be learning but never able to come to the full knowledge of the truth. So the full knowledge of the truth, the full understanding of the truth is what we should desire as believers, so he is coming again for a spotless bride, and we must be found ready. So, and again, if you want to search that out in Scripture on your own time, I encourage you to do that. But it says many will fall away. And I don't know if you've seen this, but Scripture is becoming harder and harder for people to accept. But you know what? This has not changed. He has not changed. We, the culture changes, times shift, but his word stands the test of time. And it is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And we must embrace the full truth of the word of God. And scripture's becoming harder and harder for people to accept because it's just so contrary to the world we live in. It's just so contrary to even what I'm hearing from the American church because we want to make it so relevant and we want to make it so palatable. But it's just not going to be. As time moves on, people, it's scripture's harder and harder. And, and people are like this. They don't want to hear it. So we, we can't be like one of those people. You know, you don't have to be deceived, and you don't have to fall away. If you keep reading in 2 Timothy 3, I believe it's verse 10, it says, But, we're so thankful for the but, but you have carefully, carefully followed my doctrine, manner of life, purpose, faith, long-suffering, love, perseverance, persecution, afflictions. And it says in verse 13, um... It, oh, and it says in verse 12, Yet all who desire to live godly in Christ Jesus will suffer persecution. It says that we will. It's, it's, it's coming. It's already here. It's, it's okay. Because that's, we, we can do it, people. We have Jesus. We can do it. But it says in verse 13, Evil men and impostors will grow worse and worse, deceiving and being deceived. But in verse 14, it says, we must continue in the things which you've learned and been assured of, knowing from whom you have learned them, having revelation that I know what I know, and I believe what I believe, and that from childhood you've known the holy scriptures, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith, which is in Christ Jesus. So we must carefully follow and continue in his word. And you know, like I've said, it says many will fall away and be deceived, and they won't even know it. And that's the scary thing. I don't know about you. I've had, I've had a lot of friends in the past year, just amidst all this um, unrest. And I think a lot of people have had trouble reconciling what they see in the world with what, uh, with what they know in their hearts. And everybody wants to not be offensive, and everybody wants to like, you know, make sure that everybody wants to serve Jesus. So we paint this picture of this like, a Jesus that's part of Jesus, but it's not all of Him, right? It's like when you're um, you're raising children. Uh, Dr. Dobson has a book called Dare to Discipline that. That I love, and uh, he talks about you know children get their picture of God from their parents, and it's very important that you balance love and discipline because Jesus, he is love, but he is just, and we have responsibility to balance that scale for our kids because they need to see his unfailing love, but his unfathomable justice, and so and so we we are teetering too far on one one you know one on one side. And so scripture becomes perverted and it becomes twisted to fit what's comfortable and what's acceptable to the culture and what is easily digestible. And I've had a lot of friends, I'm I'm honestly grieved over, they've walked away from God and they say things to me like, well, the God I serve doesn't punish sin. And the God I serve just doesn't, he loves me for who I am. And the God I serve accepts all of me and who I am. And I'm like, Okay, so that's a perversion of, of the word because the God I serve loves me too much to leave me the way I was. The God I serve loves me too much to leave me the way I was. And, and I, when I hear things, I'm like, what, what do you mean the God I serve? What God are you serving? Well, you can't just, I'm like, that's not how it works, right? I get really upset. Like, you can't just invent a God Well, I'm like, unless you're really like, it's not, the, it's not the living God. Uh, I'm like, what is happening? And it's just really sad to me because we don't, they don't know they don't even know how far away from the scripture they've, they've gotten. But it's just like the kings of the Old Testament. Again, if you want to go search this out on your own, even the Israelites, when they came into the land of promise, they were told to utterly drive out everything that was not of God, and they didn't. There's Solomon. He, he loved God, but he loved the foreign women and their gods too. And there became mixture, and, 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 and God is not pleased with mixture. And, and he's, he's not pleased with it. And they didn't drive everything out. So it's the same thing here. If we don't confront the high places, if we don't confront our own idols and the high places in our heart, there's mixture and there's a perversion of the word and it's not the full truth. And we have to make corrections, right? In Second Timothy 4, if you, um, you don't have to skip down here, but in verse, uh, chapter 4, it says, for the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine, but according to their own desires, because they have itching ears, they will heap up for themselves teachers and they will turn their ears away from the truth and be turned aside to fables. Because, well, I don't like that truth, so I'm going to find somebody who will tell me what I want to hear and I'm going to comfort myself with something that is not true. And, and we cannot be like that. So we have to embrace truth. In Second Timothy, uh, Timothy 3, where we're hanging out, if you go down to verse 16, all scripture, right here at verse 16 and 17, all scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete and thoroughly equipped for every good work. That is the will of God for you, to be made complete in him and fully equipped for every good work. So the scriptures that we have to to, um, align ourselves with the truth uh, and not be like, well, you know, I just believe this, but I know the scripture says that, but I, I really feel like this. It doesn't matter what your feelings are, the truth is what matters and that is the, the defining line for us. That's the plumb line where everything is measured against the word of God. And if it doesn't feel good to you, if it doesn't sound right to you, go to the word and then ask the Holy Spirit to deal with your heart because we see in part, but the word of God stands true. So it's not just, you know, we love the promises of God, yes, but there is scripture that is for instruction, and there's scripture that is for correction, and we need that, right? The Father corrects those he loves. Psalm 23, it says, your rod and your staff comfort me. That means the rod of correction brings comfort. We need his correction. We don't like it in time, but we need it, right? And there's instruction in righteousness. So, um, it's, it's not just man's, you know, this is, well, I think this is what God is saying. This is literally God-breathed. It is alive, and it is powerful, and it is the sword that you hold against the enemy. And um, I don't know about you, my husband and I, we have four kids at home, and if you've ever raised a picky eater, God bless you. I'm, I'm praying for you. Um, so we have these picky eaters, and, um, and it comes in different forms. So like we have one that just, re, you know, because of some f- food insecurity early on in her life she's one of our foster daughters she really just wants to eat like chips and candy and i was like you want to know where your stomach hurts like let me tell you it's because all you want to eat is fruity pebbles and like jolly ranchers that is not nutrition <laughs> that's really bad and then our other daughter and I, I like they're they're picky eaters but i'm a vegetable hider i don't know if you're like that like we'll just like puree this one and you all know what's in here <laughs> and then they i've never seen kids be able to like investigate food I'm like, how did you pick out every, this is tiny microscopic pieces of spinach. And she's like, I don't eat that. It doesn't, or, or they put one, like the green bean barely touches their tongue. And they're like, I don't like it. And I said, I don't, didn't ask if you liked it. Uh, sometimes you have to eat things you don't like because it, it's good for you. So we've, we've tried every like tactic. And the, but we're like, orange foods are good for your eyes. And like trying, you know, <laughs> it's worked a little bit, but we're still fighting that battle. So you could pray for us. Um. But we're, we're talking about it's like healthy food may not always taste good. It may not always be exactly what you want, but it is to your benefit to consume. It's for your, for your nourishment and for your health, right? So like your body becomes out of alignment if all you eat is garbage, right? Um, like I know pizza tastes good and it tastes better than the salad right now, but like what you're, we need all of the foods. We need a balance. So we talk about this a lot with the kids. And the Lord really showed me that's, that's how we approach scripture, that when we only consume what is palatable to us, we are malnourished. So when you go to the gospel, when you go to the word, if you're only consuming what is palatable to you and what is easily digestible, you are spiritually malnourished. We have to embrace the full truth. So it may not be easy to gi- digest or easy to swallow to our Western ways of thinking. And as much as, as we, uh, we have to admit that we are, we are influenced by the culture we live in, we are, we are, we think like Americans, right? We love our freedoms, all that stuff, which I, yes, I do. Um, but so there's things in the word that don't align with American culture. Surprise. If you're, if you're surprised by that, I'm sorry. But we live in a culture that is very focused on happiness, right? Like, you know, just follow your heart, which is horrible advice. We, you know, just be true to yourself. <laughs> like, no, you be true to God, that's what, that's what we should be saying. So we, we really like to focus on happiness. It's literally in our constitution, which I'm very grateful to live in America. And I'm very grateful that our constitution says uh, life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. But the pursuit of happiness is not biblical. The pursuit of holiness is what we should be after. Because when we are pursuing holiness and not so worried about happiness, because happiness is fleeting, it's passing, it's very much based on our circumstances, and you can experience very high levels of happiness and very, very dark levels of sadness all in one day. Happiness is, is fleeting. But when you are I held it back up to say it's dead when you are running after holiness god releases the joy of the lord and the joy of the lord is our strength the joy of the lord is not fleeting like a moment of happiness but we live in a culture inundated with telling us that happiness is the ultimate uh, the uh, the the pinnacle of success when you have achieved happiness but i'm telling you friends it's not easy to hear that doesn't matter we need to be running after and pursuing holiness in all things because holiness will release the joy of the Lord over your life. And if you are struggling right now, and I, I'm, not, you know, when, I'm not talking about mental illness or, or anxiety like that. I, I know that that's real. I'm not talking about that. But if you are tossed to and fro every day with what you're hearing and you have anxiety and you're, oh, my gosh, I'm fretting over every little thing. Just take a look at where you're in your life. You can be pursuing holiness at a greater level because God will release his joy over your life in a new way, and that joy is what will sustain you. Happiness will not sustain you, but the joy of the Lord. The joy of the Lord will go before you and will make a way where there seems to be no way. The joy of the Lord will be what sustains you. So I just, thanks, Latonya. But the word says, let God be true and every man a liar. That means when you hear something that sounds really good and you know in your spirit and your discernment, you know, ooh, that's not right. It's not right. And, and let God be true and every man a liar. I forsake all of this, this earthly knowledge because it's the word of God that I'm going to define my life by. So we're going to ask the Holy Spirit, we're going to continually pray and ask the Holy Spirit to bring revelation and, and teach us as we study the word and we live according to it, like we um, said. And I know I'm running short on time. Chris told me I would. I was like, no, I just talk fast. It's fine. Um, Colossians 2, 6 and 7 says, As you therefore have received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in him, rooted and built up in him, and established in the faith as you have been taught, abounding in it with thanksgiving. So we must receive him, but then we must so walk in him. Right? Salvation has three parts because we were saved when he was on the cross. When we accepted him as our savior, we were saved. But we are yet being saved through the process of sanctification, the washing of the water from the word, all of that stuff. It's a process of being saved. And then we will yet be saved when he returns again and when we experience the glorification. Right? So we, we are continually walking in him. We are to be rooted and built up in him and established And Ephesians 5, 8, and 10 says, For you were once darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Walk as children of light, finding out what is acceptable to the Lord. It means searching it out, digging it out. What is acceptable to you, God? And Psalm 1, we know a pastor preached on this. Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly. It says his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law he meditates day and night. So when our delight is in his law in his word. We become firmly planted. We're rooted down and we bear fruit, fruit that remains. And so I, I know I don't have a ton of time, but I will just give you a few references here. Um, in Second Timothy, if you skip over to uh, chapter four, it says, preach the word, be ready in season and out of season. That means when it is convenient and when it is not convenient. You preach the word when you know it will be received, like right now, and you preach the word when you know it won't be. When you know you'll be heard and when you know you'll be, you know, get this from people, you preach the word. And later on in verse 5, it says, but you be watchful in all things, endure afflictions, do the work of an evangelist, and fulfill your ministry. And just to, uh, I really wish I had more time. 1 Thessalonians 5, 2, it says, the day of the Lord so comes as a thief in the night. Right? That's what it says. He will come as a thief in the night. It will come when you are not expecting it. It will come as a thief in the night. But then there's such encouragement because it says in verse 4, right, we are children of the day. But you, brethren, are not in darkness so that this day should overtake you as a thief. You are sons of light and sons of the day. We are not of the night nor of darkness. Thank you, God. Therefore, let us not sleep as others do, but let us watch and be sober. For those who sleep, sleep at night, and those who get drunk are drunk at night. But let us who are of the day be sober, putting on the breastplate of faith and love, and as a helmet, the hope of salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ. And then in verse 16, it says, rejoice always. Pray without ceasing, and in everything give thanks. Giving thanks and, and praising, those are spiritual disciplines. They don't feel, they don't always, I don't always want to give thanks. Thanks. But those are disciplines that we develop for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. Do not quench the spirit. Do not despise prophecies. Test all things. Hold fast what is good. Abstain from every form of evil. Now may the God of peace himself sanctify you completely. And may your whole spirit, soul, and body be preserved blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. He who calls you is faithful and also will do it. So that we may be fully sanctified in our whole being. That means our spirit, our soul, and our body, every area fully fully um, yielded, fully yielded to his will. That's what he desires for us. That's the will of God, to be fully yielded to him. And uh, just as I close today, sorry if I talk too fast. I apologize. I didn't touch my hair, though. My mom will be so proud. Okay. So... <laughs> I just pray that you accept and you fully embrace the truth of God's word, even when it is inconvenient, and even when it is in just direct contrast to to the ways of thinking that that have been developed in you, even from childhood, or, or ways that have thinking that we've adopted from the culture, that even when it's in direct contrast, that we hold fast to the word, and we read things maybe that we don't like, that we say, Holy Spirit, let God be true, and every man a liar, teach me. You know, when, he, when the man said to Jesus, I believe, help my unbelief, that must be our posture to God. When we, when we read things that we go, oh, that's really hard to hear, it doesn't make it any less true. And so we're going to press into those areas that we don't understand, and we're going to press into those areas that have not been fully revealed to us by the Holy Spirit, and we are going to love God's word more than we love anything else. And more than we love being accepted by other people, we're going to find out what is acceptable to the Lord. In Psalm 119, just to close with this, we just have to consistently declare that God's word is true, and it's the standard by which we measure everything else. Psalm 119, 128, 130, it says, therefore, all your precepts, all your precepts concerning all things I consider to be right. I hate every false way. Your testimonies are wonderful. Therefore, my soul keeps them. And the entrance of your word gives light, and it gives understanding to the simple. And I just pray that we practice proactive faith, that we take active steps to guard against deception, to not allow it to creep into our households. But when we close the door at the end of the day, we say, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord, and we will find out what is acceptable to him. And that is the defining defining line for everything we do in life is the word of God and if it doesn't line up with the word of God I don't want it and I just encourage you that that as you spend time with the Lord that you and and, and you don't forsake fellowship and discipleship even though the world is crazy right now but that you when you spend your time with Jesus that you confront the areas of wrong thinking and you will run after holiness and confront those high places where we maybe have have kept idols or we've we've kept things uh, hidden from the Lord because accepting Him as Savior does not mean that you've accepted Him as Lord. And we must accept His Lordship. And just ask the Holy Spirit to reveal where we've allowed our thinking to be shaped by culture and where we've allowed it to be shaped by our experiences rather than by the Word of God and by His truth. Because his word is the final authority, no matter how much things change, no matter how much things shift, his word is the final authority. And he will have his way. So just as he spoke and the earth was formed, he has spoken about how we are to live, how we are to walk with him, and we must be fully yielded to the authority of God's word. Amen.